Okay, welcome everyone to the Ex Umbers podcast. Uh, today we're talking about the Trinity, myself, Scott McClarney, and uh, Schoolman Fawcett. Schoolman Fawcett, headmaster and teacher at Chesterton Academy of St. Isidore, the world's only, first and only online Chesterton Academy. So if uh, you or uh, your kids, your teenagers, are thinking about a, a Chesterton Academy experience and there's no uh, brick and mortar Chesterton Academy in your area, uh, look us up. Uh, and if you're curious about what you'll be learning out of Chesterton Academy, well, this episode might give you a glimpse into that. Because what yes. are we talking about today? Today we're talking about the Holy Trinity. Holy Trinity, and, yes. Uh, we spoke before about Pentecost. Yeah, it, 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 life under grace. And, and Pentecost as uh, every day of the year. And what it means to live uh, this life in light of the Christ event and the sending of the Holy Spirit. And we thought, well, it would only be fitting mm. to follow that type of discussion up with the nature of God right. and, and, well, and the Blessed Trinity. Well, we're following the church's lead. The church in her wisdom has uh, our liturgical calendar points to this, right? We have Ascension and then Pentecost the following week. And then the week right after that, you have Trinity, right? Now, why did the church do that? Well, we'll get into that today. But there's a very clear logic to what's going on there. The church is teaching us something in her liturgy. And we want to kind of tease that out a little bit. And I think that's probably the first place we're going to jump into. We uh, then want to talk about how other theologians have explained the Trinity, as well as um, uh, perhaps you know what, how not to explain the Trinity, mm. as well as uh, how to do... And also, uh, I think one point I'm hoping that we can make clear is that the Trinity is simple. Do you agree with me? In more Foster? ways than one. <laughs> yes. Yes. So if you take anything away from this talk. Yes. Uh, it, it, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the two. There's a certain equivocal quality to the way, or maybe analogical quality to the way. Using the word simple. Using the word simple. Before we get into any of that, Dr. McClarty, why do I need to know about the Trinity? Why isn't it enough for me to just love Jesus and go to church and uh, love my neighbor as best I can? Why do uh, I not bother? Let, let me ask you this question. This is a personal question. Oh dear. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if Maria's listening. Do you love your wife? I as as far as in me lies, I love my wife. Okay. Yes. Well, now I'm going to ask you a really tough question here. What color are her eyes? They are a wonderful, oh. rich shade of brown. No, oh, you got it. Okay. All right. So, uh, School of Fawcett is, uh, uh, yes, is telling us uh, here about his love. Or sorry, his wife, right? Is right, be able to describe right. even what her eyes look like. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I hope I could do the same. But uh, I, I am in an act of mercy. <laughs> not I was going to turn the tables on you because oh. this is because full disclosure. This is my example. This was my <laughs> this, this is my illustration analogy, because yes. I, I hear this a lot. You know, why do we need to know about the Trinity? I shouldn't say a lot, but when this topic comes up, people seem to think it's very yep. abstruse. It's very abstract. You know, what does it have to do with the practical Christian life? Right? Yeah. Well. There, I think that, first of all, it actually is a very practical thing, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But my very first thing would be, if you love your wife, and someone says, well, what color are her eyes? Oh, that's not very practical. Like, the useful things to know are like, you know, what, when is she free, and when can we go to work together, and when can we go shopping together? Like, okay, yes, those certainly are pregnant. Or how can I serve her by buying her groceries? Yeah, that's a great thing to do. But you also love her, right? Like, you're not just doing things for her, presumably. You also love her. And that means you just want to look at her and, and get to know her better and know her more. And I think that's the same thing with the Trinity. If we love God, learning about him and what he's chosen to reveal to us it should be a reward in itself, I think. Indeed. Which I think, yes. which I think if it's yes. properly exposited, it clearly is. Yes, yeah. And it's, it's a... Uh crucial term as well love and we'll get to that as uh, mm -hmm. as we unpack this 
But in order to, I mean, there's another thing we can take away from this. In order to say that God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, or sorry, in order to say that God is love, it only works if we say God is the Trinity. Oh, it's Trinity uh, yeah. So, so we can see, uh, I mean, it's a common thing. Christians uh, are familiar with that phrase, God is love. Mm-hmm. But that only works if God is trying. And I think as we go, we can understand why. Yeah, so a little sure. bit uh, to think about. I think, though, as, as um, School and Fawcett had mentioned, the liturgical year provides us with the the guide of how to understand the Trinity. And I think, too, uh, it's obviously mirroring Scripture. So I, perhaps, is this the best place to start, or how, how do we want to start with... Ooh, well, I guess that's... A, okay, so having... Uh, well, I suppose so, right? Like, we let's uh, take for granted that we want to know more about the Trinity. Uh, and uh, I guess I'll, what, what I'll say as a way of leading to this is, you know, theology is the queen of the sciences. Ooh, well, what, well yes. one day perhaps we'll have an episode about this, but what does it I mean to should. be a science? Yeah. Uh, actually, the you know... The classical education tradition would distinguish between arts and science, and art is actually something practical, and the science is the body of knowledge. But regardless, now those have been kind of blurred, right? Like biology and chemistry and astronomy, it's kind of both, right? It's a, it's a body of knowledge right. and it's psychology. Yeah. Exactly right. It, we've kind of muddied the two, but it's, in some sense, you could say a science, uh, you know, takes its subject matter and it's sort of given. It's the data, literally. That's what it means in Latin. Data is what's given, and you reason about it. And, you know, you want to be critical. You want to be able to revise what you infer from it. But there's a certain given thing that's there that you're reasoning about it, whether that's the stars, whether that's uh, the human body, whether that's the physical world, whatever. In the case of theology, the given matter is God's revelation of himself. We're taking that and we're building our knowledge up. We're taking for granted that it's true. And given that it's true, what does that mean? And reasoning from it. Now, what? The revelation of God, that's a big thing, right? Uh, it happens in Scripture, of course. And it also happens, though, in the story that Scripture tells, the salvation history. Yes. So people will sometimes ask, you know, you may see these people standing by the uh, uh, by the side of the road with their little... Uh, they used to knock on people's door. I don't know if they still do that after sure. COVID. But you have yeah. the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, yeah. right? And God bless them for their zeal. I really yeah. do admire Admirable. them, actually. Yeah, I, certainly. I, I may have like a double portion of their spirit. But yeah. they'll tell you, you know, that Jesus is actually not God. He's a created being. He's yeah. a God at yeah. best. Son of God. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. Now, they will sort of ask questions like, well, where is the scripture for the Trinity? Because the word oh. Trinity is nowhere in the Bible. Okay. It's a very Protestant approach. Yeah. So do we want to start with this? Like where, you know, not that we have to go through every single verse, you know, that necessarily oh, points sure, to the scripture, sure. to, to the Trinity in scripture. Yep. Um, but what do you think? Where, where, given that that's what theology is, and this is where we're, how we explain the Trinity. And I'll say again, don't be in light of that. Just like in how in science there's uh, technical terminology, right? If you if you you maybe even had this experience when you're talking to an electrician, right? yes. <laughs> or, or, or like a you know someone some tradesperson trying to fix your home, they use a lot of technical language that you don't necessarily fully understand. Yeah. Or some of our students who are about to take their finals, <laughs> maybe finding this too. There's a lot of technical terms. Difficult technical language is not the same as confusing. That's correct. Right. Like it, you may you may subjectively find it confusing, but there's a difference between something that's inherently in, unclear yep. and something that's difficult. There's things about comprehending the Trinity that are going to be difficult. And the job I'll, of theology I'll, I'll, I'll is technical. Let's say technical. Are going to be let's say technical. All right. Yeah. Subjectively, you may experience them as difficult, but are yeah. um, rewarding and valuable. Rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And here we can make another perhaps technical qualification. We're talking about 
where is the datum, uh, right? The data, uh, the, the given. Uh, and here we'd say it's in Revelation. So divine revelation, which scripture points towards uh, and is a witness to. Mm-hmm. And Revelation's fullness is in Christ, uh, the Christ event. But, okay, so when we look to the data then, uh, we see the opening pages of scripture. We were talking about this last time. Uh, we, we can see implicitly already the Trinity, the act of creation, the pneuma or the ruach of God, mm-hmm. which hovers over the face of the abyss of the deep, and then the word which is spoken, the logos. And, uh, and if Genesis is too cryptic for you, uh, Psalm 33, verse 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. So there it is. Ah, There's that there we go. both of them in one verse. Yes, because ruach could be uh, wind, right, breath, wind or spirit. Mm-hmm. Or all of them. Or all, or of, all of them, them. yes. Mm-hmm. And so we, we see that uh, uh, there. And, and there's other uh, references uh, uh, to God's activity, hand in creation, uh, and the redemption of Israel, uh, out of Egypt in particular, uh, as, as we're going mm, along. Right. But it's, it's, it's the wind that blows the uh, ocean. The Red Sea is blown out of the way by God. Well, Moses declares, right? <laughs> and then, then the uh, Red Sea parts by wind. Uh, that's which right. occurs again in uh, Joshua, right? As yes, yes. And, and these, uh, are, these are obviously also new creation motifs that, that, that are going on. Absolutely. And, and thinking even of the the burning bush at Mount Sinai, uh, which appears, it's the angel of the Lord who appears, but then it's the Lord. Uh, so this is the theophany, God's revelation, God acting within mm-hmm. uh, uh, a time and space. And, and even Jewish theology before the New Testament was, was already recognizing this strange, um, this character that appears in the Old Testament, right? The Memra, right? Or the angel yeah. of the Lord, who yeah. both seems to be God and yet is somehow distinct from God. That's so right. There's already almost yes. a proto-Trinitarianism in the uh, early Judaism, yeah. Second yeah. Judaism. Yeah, and the Shekinah, so, so right, the, yes. the, 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 the glory of God, uh, the glory that goes before the Lord, and the well, the pillar of cloud, right, fire, yeah. uh, which goes perhaps if, if you're just stuck in the Old Testament, uh, you might look towards the Proverbs. Uh, so in, in, in Proverbs six, and in, in that area of Proverbs, we see this: the wisdom of God, which is before all creation, the foundation of the world, which God delights in. Mm who seems almost divine because she's involved with creating the world and she's embedded in everything and yet is distinct from the Lord and plays and dances before the Lord. So. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the wisdom of God then contrasted to uh, the ways of the world, right? Uh, so the, um, the faithful woman, the wisdom of God to the adulterous uh, temptress who... Uh, allows our feet to walk, whether it's in uh, standing, as Psalm 1 puts it, uh, in, in, with with skin, uh, scoffers uh, and sinners and so on, which is, uh, or or uh, do we stand in the way of the Lord, right? Uh, by the trees of the water, which which blossoms in season and out. So we see that, that, that for, um, throughout the uh, Old Testament, this movement of God and yes, a plurality we might say, or uh, uh, with with seems like there's more going on, right? Uh, now. Of course, we can't understand the Trinity without God's self-disclosure. So d- God revealing this to us, and what better place to look than in the New Testament itself with Jesus' baptism is a good obvious example, where the mm-hmm. heavens are torn open. We've talked about it before, Schizo. Uh, and this is the Father speaking. This uh-huh. is my Son. And the Spirit, as it as a dove descending upon him. Uh-huh. So we see this 
uh, this is something God needs to reveal to us. Which again, so you, what you again have is light and water and a bird flying over those waters, right? So we yes. have Genesis 1, again, on display in the baptism of Jesus. Right, right. yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, this declaration of the, 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 the word who was there, right? Who's now walking amongst us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, and, and so th- this is, uh, if, if you fast forward to a little, the end of, um, say, like Matthew's gospel, for instance, then the divine commission when Jesus, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And he authorizes then his disciples to go teaching, right? Uh, and baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we see this Trinitarian formula. He doesn't say names okay. of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but name. Uh, and so this is the, uh, what we talked yesterday, our uh, last podcast, on the uh, power of the name of God uh, that we call upon. And so this is the name which is given in because br- uh, baptism is a being brought into, uh, on one level we might think of it being brought into the church, which is a correct understanding, uh, being brought into the body of Christ. But more than that, it's being brought into, reconfigured, brought into the Paschal mystery, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. As Paul points out in, say, like Romans 6, he says, don't forget, you Romans, when you are baptized, you are are buried with Christ in Jerusalem. And just as the Father raised the Son from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit, so you too now walk in the fullness of life. And so talking about our... um, God's revelation and our experience of it, uh, the datum, uh, and so this this is yeah. the the ground for how we understand the Trinity. That's right. Yes. And we talked about uh, the church year informing us, but it's also the sacraments. Absolutely. Yeah. So the sacrament of baptism, in particular, is the touchstone for all the uh, uh, sacraments, and so the keystone. And so this is how we're drawn into this life of mm-hmm. God, this, this through the Paschal mystery. And it's it's key yeah. that it's a new birth yes right because okay so the datum again here right so it's the church reflecting on her experience so we are told baptism is a is being born again as a son or a daughter of god okay what else is going on there it's being baptized into this threefold name it doesn't say name say it's the name yes (laughs) singular right of the father son and holy spirit um and then being sent as a result of that well how can one become a uh, son or daughter of God, right? When we're not, in, right? When we're, we're descended from Adam, obviously in one sense, Adam is a son of God according to the Gospel of Luke. But how, you know, what what is this new? Well, when you're born, you know, you have a new nature, right? Yeah. Uh, you're, when, that's what. In fact, that's the word nature is related to the word for birth, etymologically, right? Okay. Na- yes. Natus, right? Where we get nativity. Na- nativity right? yeah. You're born with your nature. So a yeah. new birth is a new nature. Well, that nature, you know, it's in some sense is divine, right? So how can you get a divine nature? Or how can you have this theosis? Well, in some ways, it's by following the path of Jesus, right? Jesus, uh, who was originally baptized oh, for. Are us, you so. thinking of uh, Peter there? Uh, which is sure, born yeah, into a new nature. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, it's for sure. Yeah, Second Peter talks about yeah. we, we participate in the divine nature, yeah. right? So working backwards from this, yeah. basically what the church has sort of in, has has discerned is yeah. in baptism we die and are reborn. We we participate in the Paschal mystery of yeah. Jesus, which means that we are now in some sense participating in the eternal generation of the Son. 
Yes. Right. Now, in order for that to happen, there has to be an eternal generation of the Son. So that's stuff we right. confess in the Creed, right? And the yeah. Creed is what you professed when you were baptized, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it, and we still do this, right? It's the question and answer for baptism, right? Um, well, why does it matter that you believe in the, you know, the Son, you know, oh, who was right. eternally, you know, could, eternally begotten of the Father? Couldn't well, we just believe in God? Yeah, right. Or even just say He's the Son. What matters is that He's eternally begotten? Well, because mm. He's eternally begotten of the Father, that means there's already. It's part of God's nature to be a family. He's eternally proceeding. And if we participate in the Son, if we're part of the Son, if we're the body of Christ, now we're part of that eternal procession, that eternal filiation. And that's why you're a son or daughter of God. You're not just a son or daughter of God in the way that, you know, he created you or he adopted you. You know, like you're some, yeah. you're not just an orphan that he's taken under his roof. No, yeah. no, you're participating in the filiation that is part of God okay. himself. Okay. Right? Now I've got two questions for you here, All uh, right. School and Fawcett. Oh, uh, first one is how do we know about this eternal uh, procession or this God eternally, uh, the Father begetting the Son. So that's my first question. And the second one has to do with perhaps the earliest Christian writing, uh, we believe, possibly, First Thessalonians, where it says, um, you know, grace and peace to you, God the Father, the, the church that is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're talking about participating in the life of God. You have the Father, God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So my second question for you is, where's the Spirit then? Uh, how about the Spirit? But let's maybe let's deal with the tackle the first one, and then get to the Thessalonian question uh, after. Uh, how do we know, like you, that the Son proceeds from the Father eternally? Like if I'm just reading Mark's Gospel or Matthew's mm -hmm. Gospel, I can see that the Son is there at the baptism. He says, "This is my Son." Mm -hmm. But how do I know, like he didn't just become the son of god mm -hmm. at the baptism right 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 because you know maybe he was a prophet a messiah mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. but it's the spirit descends upon him at those waters then he becomes mm -hmm. divine right, in, right in quotation marks so explain that to me well, this is the adoptionist heresy right oh, so that's that, that theory that, that is one uh, rejected theory of the church oh, right okay but at the baptism something happens to christ which is similar to what happens to us Right? Yeah. Like he became the son of God at, uh, well, at his baptism. Right. And, uh, well, the problem with that is the Gospel of Matthew. You just mentioned that. Oh. You're forgetting the whole uh, virgin oh. birth. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, you're forgetting, uh, you know, the Gospel of Luke fleshes this out. Now, that being said, there are certainly some Protestant thinkers who will say, yes, you know, um, there's a trinity. There's the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. But the Word didn't actually become the son of God until... Uh, until the virgin birth okay right that, that that he becomes known as the son when because of course he doesn't have oh, a human father i right? see so, what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so, so it, before becomes, before yeah. the incarnation so, right uh, he's not really the son exactly yeah, yeah. yeah he's he'd the, be the logos the logos as, as okay. the gospel of sure. god calls him the yeah. word in he's the beginning was the word oh okay yeah there's, so, no, there's no eternal generation they would so say. well then how do we uh, how do we know that he's eternal believe the son that he's eternally the son yeah well so this is another thing. So, of course, there was also the Arian heresy. Right? Oh. The Arians who followed Arius. Now, you'll always get some historians or scholars who say, well, Arius didn't really believe in this, or Nestorius didn't really believe in this, Sibelius didn't really believe in this. Okay, whether he's justly called to the believer in this or not, the heresy of Arianism is named for Arius. Yeah, he's, he was a presbyter. He was, he was a, a, priest, a Libya, yeah. Libyan, and he, his name is 
A R I U S. And he said, There was a time when the sun was not. That yeah. this is a famous slogan. Exactly. So yes. basically, and he wrote hymns apparently that people would sing with this as like their chorus. <laughs> uh, yeah. They've always used music. Music has always been a powerful way yeah. to yeah. indoctrinate, I guess. Yeah. So was there a time when the sun was not? You know, I think he said. The sun was the first of all creation. He was a powerful angel, or powerful yeah, the very being. first, yeah, the very yeah. first thing, better than everything else. But still, there was a moment in time where the sun came into existence. Yeah, not that he was always there. And one of the proof texts that they used was actually from the wisdom literature, Proverbs eight. So Proverbs, uh, as we mentioned, has uh, the character of wisdom, yeah. right, who eternally uh, dances and celebrates before the Father. And there's this verse, um, starting at verse twenty-two. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginnings of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Uh, Carries on like this. And so they'll say, well, there was a moment where wisdom uh -huh. was created. Okay. okay. Here's the problem with that. Uh. So you're saying there was a time when God was stupid. Oh, what? <laughs> right? Because if there's a moment when wisdom was not, then right. that means there was a time where God was without his wisdom. Okay. <laughs> right? That, right? That can't be true. It's not like God yeah. reasoned himself. It, like He's not like our students who come yeah. to us um, yeah. a little more simple and, and emerge wise out of our tutelage, right? Right. So, right. no, that, that's nonsense. And, of course, we also see from the Gospel of John. And, and you know, there's lots of things to say. No, there, the sun has eternally existed. Yeah. So why this strange language in Proverbs. Well, it seems like it's not referring to a moment in time where God created wisdom, but it is saying that there's something in the character of begetting or proceeding from God okay. that happens with wisdom. Yep. That's what I would go to. Yep, yep. Good, good. So. Um, and and uh, I'm thinking of the Last Supper uh, when, when Jesus says, all things have been given over to me mm -hmm. uh, by my Father. And there's other places where he declares it, right? But so the Son then uh, eternally is begotten, receives uh, all that he has from the Father, mm -hmm. which which uh, right, yes, points to this eternal, uh, the eternality of uh, mm -hmm. the Son. Right? Well, and so then this okay. So what does it mean for something to uh, eternally proceed and yet not be created? Well. Uh, we have a line in our creed, right? He's God from God, light from oh, right. light. Yeah. Well, stop and think about that. What does that mean, light from light? Hmm. It's a commonplace thing. we got some uh, incandescent lights above us right now, right? Yeah. When you say there's light here, what do you mean? Are you talking about the light or the light? Because okay. <laughs> you can say, oh, we got to replace the light in here or the lights in here. Well, you're referring to the bulb itself. And but you could also say that the beams that shine out of it is also the light. Right. And as long as you have light, and of course you can turn these lights off, but let's think of light as the ancients would have thought of it. The sun, or fire, or candles, as long, you, you, as, long as you have that light, it's always going to be emitting light. Yeah. And, I, and I believe the Cappadocian fathers say that that verse comes from uh, Psalm 36, verse 9, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, oh, we see light. We see light, yes. So this is an analogy that's used, and, and this is going to get into the spirit too, right? Yeah, okay. Is that... Um, the father is like the light bulb. He's like the, the of course their analogy is the sun, right? The sun, the, uh, well, the sun, oh, that's going to create a confusion. <laughs> the word, right? Yeah. The, let's say the father and the word. I'm talking about the sun with an O, right? Yeah. The, the father is like the light, the light of the sun in the sky, the light of the light bulb. The word, the son of God, is like the light that's always emanating from it. 
okay. proceeds from it, and you can't separate them. Right. Right. But it is a procession. So if, yeah. imagine if there was a light bulb that had eternally been lit. Right. Well, that's sort of what it would be like. Right. right. The sun would always be proceeding, and not in an arbitrary way. Like it's the nature of a light bulb to emanate light. Just yeah. like it's the essence of goodness to diffuse itself. Right. So it's not really a light bulb if it doesn't emanate. Well, again, this is where it's certainly not a light. It's not a, it's not a candle. It's not a fire. It's not a flame. Right. It's not emitting uh, okay. light, you know. So eternally, he's the sun. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good, right. good. Yeah. Okay. I think I think we've got that one down. Mm -hmm. Now, how about the spirit? So, if, again, going back to scripture, um, we definitely see it's, it's fairly... There's a lot of texts we can look at in the New Testament where we can see the divinity of Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mentioned a few already, like John's Gospel. But what about the Spirit? Mm -hmm. Isn't this, maybe this is like an add-on? Like Christians just, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, maybe they got uh, mm -hmm. tired of, of this duality of Father, Son, and so they added a, a third person, perhaps? I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. why, like how, why would they talk about uh, this Spirit as God as well? Like, can this just be sure. like uh, a power? Well, Jehovah's Witnesses say it's like a power. Sure. Right? They, they yeah. believe that there's or the Father, there's the Son, who's like, they think that those are two persons. But the Holy Spirit is just kind of like God's super energy. Right. Right. Um, it's force. It's like the force, basically. It's like oh, God okay. using the force, is what they think the Holy Spirit okay. is. Okay. Right. Um, well, um, my, my own father. Was yep. a Pentecostal. Uh, he used to be a teacher at a Bible college. Yep. He would always point out that the Holy Spirit, uh, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Right? Yeah. You can't grieve an impersonal force. Oh, right. right. If you look yeah. throughout the, you know, the Old Testament, they, or the, in the scriptures, in the New Testament as well, um, the Holy Spirit, I mean, a spirit is something that feels, even within ourselves, right? Yeah. Who, who knows what the Lord is, right? Like as Paul says, yeah. but the, who knows a man but the spirit within him, right? Uh, There's emotionality yes. in there, right? Yes. There's not... Now, this goes back to what we were saying before, right? I'll just to add to your thought in Romans 8, right? He talks about the Spirit searching the mind of yes, God. right, exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. And praying through us, right? Yes. So, so mm -hmm. with groans too deep, right? Uh, for that, we can't even express. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there you can see that, that the Spirit is not simply just... Um, like electromagnetic force or yeah, something like this, right, exactly. but but searches the mind of God and and works through us in that. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. Now, now here's what? now here's the thing, and I think we're going to get to that verse. God is love, but let's okay. let's work up to that, right? Let's go back to what we talked about last podcast. So this is not just a question of can we find a bunch of verses and kind of piece them together, <laughs> right, like, you yeah. know, like they're like you know my mother loves to do jigsaw puzzles, like sure. you know let's see if we can fit them all together and oh eventually if we if we put Psalm thirty three and Psalm sixty two thirty six right and uh, and Matthew twenty eight together oh eventually we'll you know, we'll get enough proof yeah. text to yeah. the Trinity. Right? Second, Second Corinthians thirteen. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. We'll go through. Eight, you, yeah. I mean that's. <laughs> That's one way to do sure. it. I mean, that's, okay. all, that's often if you look at these resources on how to deal with Jehovah's Witnesses. It's like, here's the verses you can yeah, use. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. But it's also more a question, and, and this is something that uh, the Nouvelle theologians really point to, right? You have yeah. like Carl Rahner and Balthazar would really say, well, look, sure, but really what's going on is that in the story of salvation history, in the Paschal mystery, God is acting out the Trinity. The, the Rahner's axiom, and you can kind of it, it's it's not a perfect rule, but it's that the economic trinity, which is the trinity as God has revealed it. Okay, to well, us we have to explain this. What's yes, what's the economic? Okay, right, right. There's two, gonna, there's two gonna, terms. There's I was gonna. You're right. You're right. Okay. So eternal trinity and economic trinity. Okay. Okay. What sure. do these mean? Okay. Because uh, this is our technical vocabulary. This is we're getting the technical. All right. All right. Okay. 
Let's let's slow down and do this. So what we see in the Bible is the economy of salvation. Now that doesn't mean that God is raising and lowering the interest rates on, you know, <laughs> in order to pay off the debt of our sin. Right, right. <laughs> he's yeah. he's uh, doing some inflationary, uh, or you know, he's some quantitative yeah. easing. Yeah. No, economy, of course, is from, it means household management. That's right, you can detect the word oikois, which means house in there, house, and so managing yeah. the house. Yeah. Uh, that's where we get diocese and parochial, yeah. actually, are from these terms, yeah. right? Oikos meaning house. Yeah. Um, so it's God, the way that God has arranged our salvation. So it's yeah. salvation history, it's like the sacraments, uh, right? That's the economy of salvation. And so it's God as so, he interacts with us. Yeah, so God in time. God right? in time. Yeah, God working in time and space, relationship with humanity, the divine drama of salvation. The, the progressive revelation of him throughout the New Testament, throughout the Bible. So that's the economy of salvation. Mm -hmm. So when we speak about the economic trinity, we're talking precisely about how the, the given the data that we have exactly. that god has revealed in time and space to us and now let's, let's so maybe even before i finish what ronner said let's okay. talk about what the economic trinity is so what we see in the bible is god the father sends his son down to earth through the spirit like the spirit is sent down by the father he descends upon the blessed mother she uh, conceives right her she her son uh, grows up he's baptized and we see the trinity revealed there the spirit guides uh jesus and then of course we have the paschal mystery then jesus ascends into heaven sends the spirit down as he promised right and then the spirit uh animates the church well you know gives birth to the church in pentecost and guides us since then right yeah so that would be the economic trinity that's how we experience the trinity right is uh the Father does something, and the Spirit seems to do something, and Christ does something different, right? That's the economic trinity. Yeah. Then there's what you could call uh, the imminent trinity or the ontological trinity. Um, I, I, theologia. The is, theologia. Is there, the, the, well. I, I think that easiest way to remember, though, is eternal. Mm -hmm. So the eternal right. trinity. And by the eternal trinity, we just simply mean the eternity from outside of time and space, yeah. from, from before time. Yeah, before God, it, it, to, to use slightly confused language before creation which is you know there's no before or after because there's no time but you know apart from creation god in himself yep. what does the trinity look like that's what the imminent trinity is yep. and usually we distinguish those because we know that in the imminent eternal economic uh, in the, the imminent eternal, ontological eternal. trinity yes yep. uh that's where the father proceeds the, uh, the son proceeds from the father and then from the two of them the spirit proceeds and then the economic trinity we see it's you know the father sends the son and then the son floats back up and sends the spirit down what Rahner and Balthazar will kind of suggest is, no, 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 the economic trinity is the imminent trinity. Now, what does that mean? Right? Mm, okay. Well, what we see is, let's, let's, let's look at that. The Father sends down the Son. Then the Son ascends back to the Father. Right. So and then once he's back up yeah. there, and he's very clear in his farewell discourse in John, this can't happen until I leave you. Right. right. He's yes. very explicit. Like, I, I can't send you the Holy Spirit until yeah. I've left you. So after that, there's the sep you know the son comes down from the father, then goes back to the father. Then once he's back with the father, they both send the son, the spirit down to us. Right. Well, what Rahner and Balthazar suggest is that in some way that plays out what happens eternally. Eternally, okay. so the eternally. father generates the son. Yep. The two of them turn towards each other in love, and out of that love, uh, spirates the Holy Spirit. Yes. That is acted out in, and this happens eternally. There's not like a moment where this happens. But that is then, you could say, acted out in time for us, right? The Father, uh, in, you know, what's going on at Christmas is a kind of enacting of the eternal generation of the Son. Okay. It, it's, it, it played out in a way for us to understand. So if know? I'm following you correctly, what, what we're saying here 
is that, or these theologians, what they're saying is that the economic trinity, which we observe, is uh, a modality, or it is a mirror, or it is a, uh, it's pointing towards the, what's happening eternally within the Godhead. Is, is, is that... Uh, How's this for a term? Yeah. It's a sacrament. Oh, a sacrament. The whole event is almost a sacrament, right? What's okay. what's happening in... in well, well define, define for our listeners well, what we mean by sacrament. A visible sign of an invisible reality is Augustine's term. Yes. Right? Or it, literally, I mean, actually, it's from the word for mystery, which shows up in the New Testament. A right. Mysterion. Mysterion, yeah. But let's think of it this way. What's happening in baptism? In one sense, you are having your body washed with water. That both represents and achieves the swashing away of your sins, right? Right. Um, and, and your new birth, right? Um, what's happening in the Eucharist? Well, in a literal sense, you're eating food to nourish yourself, which both, which represents and also achieves this deeper reality that your soul is being fed, yeah. right? So if you think of that, that's what a sacrament is. It's like you're, you're giving some kind of visible form to what's happening spiritually so that it's understandable and comprehensible. So an outward sign of an inward grace. There we go. If, yes. if you want to think of it this way, mm-hmm. it's like, unlike... So let's say a one-way sign. So if you, you're driving by, you see a sign, signpost. The one-way sign says only one way going this way. But the sign itself is just a sign. It doesn't mm-hmm. participate in that reality. Same thing if you have a, a sign that's flashing for a drink or a burger. Mm-hmm. Like you can't go up there and bite on that sign. It's, it's not going to mm-hmm. nourish you whatsoever. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Make it electrocuted. Uh, whereas a sacrament points to a reality but participates in that reality itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it makes the presence and power of God available to anyone participating in that yeah. sacrament. Carl Rohner calls it a real symbol. All a one real symbol, German, there you go. Right, because it's, it's, it's a symbol that is the real also. Uh, similar, as we discussed before, to icons. Right. Icons, in some yes. sense, aren't seen as being just art. In, in some sense, you're, it's supposed to be a direct window into the spiritual reality that they're depicting. There's something yeah. sacramental about them, too. Okay, uh, so... The, the suggestion would be that's what's going on in... Um, acts in in Pentecost, uh, you know, this, the ascension and Pentecost, that God is actually, he's not just, so the reason why the Spirit can't come until Jesus ascends back to the Father, oh, right. because that symbol, they, they have to play this out for us. Ah, just like okay. how what happens in the eternal trinity is the Son is generated by the Father, then turns back to the Father, you could say, right? They look upon each yeah. other in love, they share love, yeah. and that love spirates the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, how do you represent can, can, that? Can, can we can we go through that in a little more detail? Because uh, oh, we were talking about this off camera, but uh, the the eternal Trinity, and this is we see analogies for this in, in Augustine, Aquinas. Uh, the one we were running with was um, Rowan Williams. Uh, well, he's, he's, he's expositing Aquinas. He's mm-hmm. developing yeah, yeah. this, and so we have um, mind, reason, and will. Uh, sure, sure. Okay. Well, let's 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 okay. Let's run with that then. Okay. Okay. Let's step back a moment. Okay. Now, there's there's a principle in metaphysics that the result has some similarity to the cause. Okay. The effect has some similarity to the cause. If you right. cause something, there's going to be some element of you in that. Some similarity between your effect and yourself, right? If you yeah. write. Um, a book on uh, on faith and Panem and the Hunger Games. It's going to have similarities to you. you know, okay. Hear your voice. All right. All right. Uh, you know, if you if you carve a sculpture, even if it doesn't look like you, there'll be some of you in it, right? It'll right. have similarity. Okay. Now, a tradition that goes back, I believe, to at least Augustine, is the idea of um, the vestigia trinitatis. 
God has created the world. God is triune, yeah. which means the world, in some sense, the whole world, but specifically humanity, yeah. is going to be created in the image of God. Right? There's going to be similarities to God in, ah, the, in the world. Okay, and so again, not not just humanity, but the world itself. Sure. Right. Okay. So so I mean, attempts have been made to find. So vestigia means like uh, literally, it's in uh, Latin. It's a second declension noun. Vestigium, uh, footprint. Okay. So it's the footprints of the Trinity all through. Uh, Sorry for my Latin students. I always need to represent. <laughs> the plural of that would be that's why the plural is vestigia. Okay. Um, which is where you get vestigial organs, traits, like footsteps of you know sure. footprints of earlier ancestry in this. So, you know, Saint Patrick famously looks to you know the the three leaf clover. Okay. Well, that's that's something. Sure. Okay. Fine. That's a start. Yeah. Uh, others have pointed to the sun there or light. Right. So there's the the sun itself. The ball of gas is like the father. The yeah. light that is emitted is like the sun in this biblical warmth. And yeah. then the heat would be like the Holy Spirit. Right. The okay. warmth of that. Yeah. Okay. That's that's pretty good, too. That's a good biblical warrant for that as well. Um, yeah, there's people have looked at various other things. Let's stick to the one that the scripture itself gives us. Okay. okay. So scripture calls God the father, the word, and the spirit. Those are the three persons. Now, word... And spirit, well, and let's look at, hone in on word. We've talked about this before, but that word, word, means logos, and it does not just mean the thing you see in the dictionary. Right. It means reason, like reason that conceptualizes, yep. like reason that understands things. Yep. Right? And spirit, of course, all through the Bible, right, like God creates Adam, he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, right, and he becomes yep. a living soul. Right. So, and we have some, you know, and even Plato talks about the spirit, right? Like, yeah. you know, they, they understand different things, but we all know about this kind of principle of life and dynamism in the human person. So if those are the terms that scripture themselves are going to, scripture itself is going to give us, let's maybe look, Aquinas Augustine suggests, let's look at uh, ourselves and okay. our minds. And yeah. maybe this is one of those footsteps of the Trinity to try to understand what that, okay. something about how the, how the Trinity, let's say works. Yeah. Now, um, Aquinas has an Augustine starts this off. I, I know Aquinas better, and I think what he does is really interesting. So, let me let me talk about him briefly. Aquinas has a particular theory of knowledge, as we call epistemology. Yeah. Summarized briefly, he thinks that your mind has an active intellect. So you look at a microphone, your active intellect infers the essence of microphone and deposits it in your passive intellect. Now you okay. have kind of a copy of the microphone in your mind. Right. From now on, right. Yeah. Um, and as soon as you form the concept, microphone, as soon as you have the word microphone in your mind, yeah. now you have a picture of microphone in your mind. Right. That's what it means to have a word in your mind or a okay. logos in your mind. You, you understand it because you have this copy of it there. Now, given that that's how Aquinas suggests the human mind works, he then fleshes out, here's perhaps something about how the Trinity works. So eternally, there's the Father. The Father right. is a bit like mind. Right? Yeah. The mind is, you know... If you think of our own selves, we have our mind, you know, and our reason and our will, let's say, right? Which are distinct and yet somehow the same thing. To me, this okay. is the best comparison to the Trinity that we know. Okay, so, so mind, if reason, you think about yourself, yeah. will, okay. Yeah, somehow, you, you know. When so you, you have your mind. Yeah. Right, okay. There's, your, there's like your, almost your, your Cartesian, you know, cogito, right? Like yeah. there's yourself, right? There's yeah. your mind itself. And then there's yeah. when you're thinking about stuff. So, okay, so you start having some thoughts. And then you're, and then you're choosing That's, stuff. Okay. Those, we, we sort of recognize those as being three different things. Right. Sort of, but but also they're the same thing. That's not a perfect analogy to the Trinity, but okay. nothing is. Right. But, but let's start with that. Okay, well, eternally, you have the Father. And right. of course, there's, there's, let's say, nothing else. 
Yeah. So the father thinks about himself. Yeah. Well, if he's thinking about himself, he's reasoning about himself, that means, in a sense, that um, produces a copy of the father. An yeah. exact image and likeness of the father. A word, right, of the yeah. father. And, of course, that's the word. That's the logos. That's the son. It's, it's interesting. So, so the father thinks about himself. Yes. And produces an exact copy. Eternally produces it, an exact eternally. copy. Eternally. Okay. Right. Because right, right. uh, he understands himself perfectly. Ah, right. Because, right. yeah. Normally, right. you know, maybe we have some imprecisions in our understanding. So we, we can't understand God fully, but obviously God can, can understand, understand himself, himself fully. Perhaps, you know, absolutely. He understands himself fully. Yes. And, by the, and for the record, that is the image used in Hebrews 1 verse 3, right? That he, um, he's an exact, you know, the son is ah, the exact likeness icon. of the father. Right? Yes. Icon. Right. Well, the word is actually a character. Oh, right. is it? Okay. Greek, yeah, in Hebrews 1, well, there's Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1. Okay. Not very similarly, but I'm being an exact. Well, I think that maybe icon is used there, but in Hebrews 1, 3, where it says he's the brightness of the Father's glory okay. and, you know, the exact likeness of him. The, okay. the Greek is character, which is like oh. almost like a, okay. like a seal, right? Like when, oh, you, yeah. when you impress a seal or, or you carve into, right? Okay. Um, yeah. If you, you know, if you, if you press something into wax or, yep. or soft clay, like you create an exact copy of it. Right. right? So. Okay. So then the sun is the copy yeah, the of the Father's mind, which makes sense because mm -hmm. the Logos, we said, means mind, pattern of thought, mm -hmm. reason, right, mm -hmm. in this in this uh, analogy. Okay, so there's the mind, then there's the thought. So the mind, the mind produces an exact copy of itself, mm -hmm. that's the Father, begetting the Son. Absolutely, so that's reason, right? Yeah. And Aquinas will often talk about this. Yeah. Aquinas will often talk about how human beings have two functions as rational beings. We can reason and we can will. Those are right. two things that animals, you know, can't do, or at least not to the degree that we can. Yeah. And he says that's rooted in the Trinity. Okay. So first, the father thinks about himself. That produces an exact or something analogous to thinking about himself. Right. That we can understand. That produces the word, the son, the wisdom. Yeah. Now here's the here's the move Aquinas makes. So, so, so this is the reason then. This so would be like the, the, the reason. reason. Yeah. So so the mind begets the reason. Or, or, or right. to put it more precisely, yeah. something about the way that we reason is analogous to the way that God generates the Son. All three members of the Trinity yeah. are all reasoning and willing and in unison yeah. with each other. But there's something of, like in our way of doing that that is analogous to the production that happens in the right. in the Trinity. Okay. So, so first we got that right. You can imagine if you want, you know, the Father, and then he's got the the, the cloud bubble, and he's got himself in there. Right? Yes, yes. Copy yeah. himself. Now. Here's where Aquinas does something really creative. Right? Yeah. Aquinas suggests that if you love someone, yeah. first of all, this is a whole Thomistic thing. He says you need to know in order to love, which gets him in the question about oh, you, know, you have to right. know God before you can love him, which is why God's right. revealed himself to us, right? Yeah. But you know, first you know something or someone, then you love them, right? Yeah. And Aquinas suggests if you love someone, that also creates a copy of them in yourself. Oh, so kind of like how when I apprehend this microphone uh, with my eyes, uh, I, I, I create a copy of it. I abstract a copy. This is uh, uh, stored then when I hear the word microphone. Mm -hmm. But you're saying not a just, there's, there, there's a second element to this mm -hmm. when I love something. That's right, yes. So when I love something, I then create a copy of it as well. Well, let's, 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 let's take this in a broad sense and in a okay. narrow sense. Okay. We knew we were going to record today. So we, you thought uh, to yourself, right. okay, first, what do I need? Oh, I need to, my microphone. You thought of that. Then yep. you thought, oh, I'd better go get that microphone. Yeah. That's sort of a different thing. Like that's, that's a desire for the microphone that happened in your will. And that kind of created a copy of the microphone too, right? That's, that's you. Right. Or, it, it, it's in you now in a different way than just you thinking about it. 
Right. Now that's you know that's a very uh, mild form of loving it or of, of reaching out to it with your will. So let's yeah. take another right. Um, you have a small handful of kids. Uh, I, I recently I, on I, one I hand a, or two hands. So. On two, right. <laughs> yes, you for, can use for both now. hands. For now, uh, small, yeah, right, yeah, only for now. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I've I've got a son at home who's just over six months. Right. So in one sense, I think about him just like I think about anybody else, and I have a copy of him in my mind. Uh, I also love him. And, and we, we say this poetically, but it's, Aquinas suggests it's true, isn't it? I also kind of have, he lives in my heart, right? I have yes. a copy of him in my heart, right? Okay. Like in the, in, the, in the wallet of my heart or the locket of my heart, I have yes. a picture of him. Or my wife or, you know, or, my, or my grandmother who uh, died, you know, in the last few years, right? Who I remember fondly. Like I think of her, but she also lives on in me, right? In some sense, because I loved her, right? And love her still. Um, okay. So, now, yeah. so uh, you know, Rowan Williams, I, Aquinas explains this, but Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, explained it really well for me. And his article on this is called, What Does Love Know? Ah, so, he's, so then, okay. if we apply this to then God, the Father thinks of himself, has the copy of himself that is the Son, the Word, yep. the exact likeness of him. They look at each other in love. Yeah. And this generate, no, it doesn't generate, it spirates a new copy right. so again the third person is going to be identical to the father and to the son he's a, he's another comforter right you know yes jesus is the comforter he's another comforter another paraclete right <laughs> but who's produced by the process of love of spiration of will of i mean because if you love somebody right there's a it's the spirit right like they take your breath away. Oh, right. <laughs> right? Like, yes. You know, you, you gasp almost. Or yes. I think I think it's Chesterton. I can't be sure, but you know, that fa he's the father and the son look at each other and they're so enamored that they sigh. Okay. <laughs> and that sigh is the is Holy the Spirit. Spirit. Okay. Right? Um, because now they they sort of live in each other. That that is what love is. And Aquinas says that is something that's an analogy, right? And again, as we've discussed before, analogy, fourth ladder and council of twelve fifteen. The dissimilarity is always greater than the similarity, right? But there's something like that in what's going on, and that's the best. The vestige of it is in our own minds, and especially, preeminently, we look the most like God when we love. Okay. Right. I mean, isn't that interesting? Like, and that sounds yeah. so like sentimental or whatever. But for Aquinas, it's very literal. Like yeah. when you when you love, and again, we're commanded in especially like First John, uh, you know, and the Johannine texts have lots about the Trinity, also lots about love. When we love each other, especially in, in through Christ in the yeah. church, right? Right. Uh, and you know, a Dorothy Day. I only love God as much as the person I love the least. Right. <laughs> like, right. Challenge, right? But when yeah. you do that, ontologically, you resemble God the most. Right? right. Yeah. Which is why, again, God is love. A line from First John. You know, we all we're all very warmed by it. But it's Augustine who makes this point, right? Unless God is triune, that can't be true. Right. Right. Because yeah. you can say God is loving, yeah. but God There was a time where only God existed. Right. Or not time, you know, but there was a, there was, there was yeah. some point at which only God so, so, Okay, so I think we're coming to the point where we're okay. Running, okay, this God, uh, why do we say God is love in Christianity? And so you're saying, like, if, if um, God, God could be loving, well, if God is, uh, would say, solitary, mm -hmm. uh, uh, we might use the word monad. Right, yes. As in a monistic sense. Um, so there, there's no uh, uh, person, uh, in, mm -hmm. no communion uh, mm -hmm. or community. It's just one, God. Yeah, one yeah. mind, let's say. So right. then God can't actually be love. And you think, well, why is that? Well, how well, maybe God, uh, oh, I know, maybe he 
loves just himself. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not really true that's love. That's called narcissism. Yeah, yeah. Ego, <laughs> egotism, right? That's, yeah, that's yeah. what that is. Um, and so love by its nature must go out, right? Go out of itself. Or you might say, well, how about this? No, no, no. I know God loves creation. No, that's true. I mean, so God so loved the world. That sin is only begotten. But creation didn't always exist. Ah, that's mm-hmm. a, right. right. So, so that doesn't quite work because mm-hmm. then God becomes dependent on creation and in order to be loved. And then if God is dependent on creation, well, then God is no longer God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can't say that um, God is love unless we have this Trinitarian Mm-hmm. understanding of God. And, and so there's some... Unless God is multiple persons, right, and has been eternally, then he can't be loved. Right. And, 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 you know, you could even say, I mean, Balthazar at least suggests, if God were only two persons, it would be wrong to say that he's loved. Because we all know people, perhaps, um, maybe what we remember from high school, when two people fall in love and, like, the world is closed <laughs> off and it's just yeah. each other, right? Yeah. It, it's not an open-ended love. It's sort of... Yeah. It's not exactly narcissism, but it's like a codependence. Right, right. right. Yeah. But but true, lo- true love, true healthy, effusive love, you know, spreads itself, yes. right? Just like goodness diffuses itself. So yeah. uh, I, I think it's Balthazar who says it, it, there actually has to be a third person in that because... Once it's not just the Father and the Son loving each other, but the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that opens up that love. It's like it opens the fourth seat at the table, right? right. <laughs> Rublev's yes. icon. Right? Yes. Now, yes. It's, now it's an intense love that's eternal, but can be shared, right? Yes. And yeah. Balazar goes on to suggest, because your, your monad thing, uh, we can give yeah. this super quick history lesson, but there's lots of, um, well, like I think it's like Plotinus and Aristotle. They all say basically that God, he might have created the world, but he can't get involved with it. Or yeah, one, impersonal. Right? Yeah, impersonal. So God, yeah, is always uh, beyond. So uh, this is, yes, because if you think of God as being the summit of all, like all goodness is contained in God, and creation yeah. is something other than God, yeah, that kind of makes, makes it sound like we can't be good, right? right. Or yeah. that God would contaminate himself or make himself worse yes. off if he meddled with us. Exactly, know? yes. So, so like in Aristotle, God is unmoved right there there's there's mm-hmm. there's no prayer that that god would answer because of this gap this gulf uh and the same thing we see in plotinus who's taking plato further uh slightly different direction but he's going to say there's the material world below which is kind of corrupt and evil but then there's the realm of ideas beyond that is the one so the one is even beyond the realm of ideas but the one then is actually irrational uh because uh, why it, it, we can't understand it because we're uh, subjects and we can't contain the object mm. of the one. It, there's too much of a gulf. Same thing like the one is infinite. So um, uh, according to uh, say like Plotinus's reasoning. Uh, so then, because the, God, uh, the one is infinite, as finite, we we, well, we can't we can't comprehend. It. And plus, infinity is irrational for him. Mm. So so or there's all the Gnostics have it more like. There's so many gradients. Like oh, yeah, it's almost but, like but, God is too good for us, so he has to get someone slightly lower the, than him. Well, there's the, the, demi, the demiurge, right? Exactly. So the, the demiurge, demiurge who right. then comes and becomes a mechanism. So it's mechanism. all emanation. So you can't get to the one directly. The best you can hope for is that like everyone is maybe it's an increment little worse than the one, and we're at the bottom. And yes, <laughs> but the implications then of saying God is love mm. means that in Christianity, uh, there's a few things. One is that when uh, the hierarchy of being, or the chain of being, the scala natura, uh, we can say that creation is good. Um, why? Because the goodness uh, that that uh, emanates from God is something that we can participate in uh, as well. Uh, can we not? It's not something that just is 
uh, there's this gulf that, that, that can't be bridged in that there's, there's overlap then in the goodness which, uh, the, the love which God, uh, it, God is love, but then we as well uh, participate in. And the mm-hmm. corollary of that is in the afterlife, unlike in, say, uh, Eastern religions, um, we don't right. become dissolved. We're not absorbed into the one. Right, like, our, this our, is important. Like, a lot of, like, Hinduism or Buddhism or whatever. So into striving for the one. But in it, order to do that, you have to ultimately, like, it's, unity with the one means you are negated. It's like a drop of water into the ocean. The ocean you become exactly, absorbed yeah. and mm-hmm. dissolved. So your personal identity disintegrates. And in fact, personal identity is an illusion. Really. Exactly, right. It's, it's a harmful illusion, right? It's demonic. It's, it's, right? it's yeah. distracting you from enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, um, the other extreme would be pantheism uh, to say that God is everything. Okay, so everything is God. And God is in me, God is in you, uh, and we're all just variations of God, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and, and so. Because, because, again, if you think about it as like God is self contained goodness and being, well, what would it mean to be outside of God? I mean, outside, I mean, even to be outside of God, there has to be some realm outside of God, you, like yep. some kind of box that both God and you fit in. And, you know, that seems problematic. So the pantheist can just say, it, it, it's, not, it's not on its face absurd, is what I'm trying to say. I want to sure. understand why well, they got there. It, is that, well, though there can't be anything outside of God, that doesn't mean anything. So clearly everything must be God. It's all one, right? The, it's all that, Roman. Or, and, and that's the same reason why uh, Plotinus or the Gnostics would say creation is evil, right? Mm-hmm. So right, the material exactly. world's evil because mm-hmm. it's outside of God, right? Mm-hmm. It's outside of the one. So the only way to save the, save the world from, you know, being evil and fallen is to say, well, it never left God. Really, it really is God. You know? Yes, yeah, yeah. Whereas in a Trinitarian vision, right, of God, we're looking at it's, it's completely, uh, you're allowed, it has the, it can sustain uh, our personal identity. So, uh, Schoolman Fawcett or myself, Scholar McClary, we, we will retain our identity even in the afterlife, participating in the inner life of God mm-hmm. because this. Uh, God is triune allows for otherness, right? So the Father yeah, yeah. between the Son and the Spirit, as well as the giving and taking of love without the absorption yeah. of the other, right? Or or the dissolution mm-hmm. of, of something that is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, otherness uh, is good, right? right? Otherness isn't, it isn't, Dif- it isn't difference. It, it isn't separation. It isn't antagonism to have difference or or plurality, right? That yeah. it's it's good within this context of love, and it's shareable within this context of love, which means that there's that space opened up where creation can happen, right? right? And yeah. can be and can be legitimately other than God without being inherently evil. That that the only way that's possible is because God is already triune, right? right. Yes. Um, now and, per- and personal, right? Personal and communal. And and you and you saying at the same time unity. Right. It's the only way that this is possible. You know? Yeah, yeah. And and uh, hopefully what we can get from this, and this is one of my pet peeves, is that sometimes Christians throw up their hands when they hear the word Trinity and like, oh, I can't ever understand this. Uh, but to me, that does, it's defeatist, but also nonsensical. Because mm-hmm. if you have an experience of love, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Right, uh, exactly. We all have this intuitive imprint, or image, image of of God, of Trinitatis. So mm-hmm. there it's, yeah, we, we, it is an intuitive concept, uh, God is Trinity. Mm-hmm. And it's one in which we also intuit in that um, we long for this union 
with God yes. without being dissolved, yeah. right, or absorbed. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just as in a relationship, yeah. like I don't want to absorb my wife, uh, right, uh, into right, yeah, myself, right, exactly. God forbid, or, or vice versa, mm -hmm. right? And, and also the fruit of our union, in the example, would be our children. And so I don't want to absorb them either, but allow them to... Uh, you you to, want an unbreakable unity that somehow still respects the otherness. That's right. Yeah. Right, which is, which is, I don't think there's any philosophy that quite does that, other than Christianity. Which allows for our freedom, mm -hmm. yes. right? And, and, uh, and that's why Paul said, with the spirit of the Lord, there's freedom, mm -hmm. right? Yes, right, yeah. Because this, this is not... We're not robots, right? He doesn't turn us into automatons uh, that are just part of this monster transformer or something like this. We're just another add-on. Uh, but rather, yeah. no, we're, we're joined in as um, uh, th these thinking beings who are given our, our will, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. To God, we know him with our mind. And then finally, it's our love, which, mm -hmm. which, which uh, we give. So it's very fitting. Again, this is not a proof text, mm -hmm. but... The way Second Corinthians ends, uh, thirteen thirteen, he says, "Let the love of uh, of of the Lord uh, be with you," right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then the, uh, uh, the sorry, the grace. It's the grace mm -hmm. of Christ, right? The Lord, the love of God. So mm -hmm. that's the Father, and then the koinia, uh, which we translate as uh, like communion mm -hmm. or fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you mm -hmm. and so this is this is a, a summation then of, of really our faith of mm -hmm. what it means to be a christian mm -hmm. right we're sharing in this grace of of, of the lord jesus all uh, right the love of the father and then the fellowship of, mm -hmm. of the spirit which is eternally uh transpiring but now thanks be to god because of the incarnation revelation of the christ event paschal mystery we can now participate in this as well mm. which actualizes or fulfills who we are uh here the example would be um uh saint basil right when he's talking about uh, the trinity he, he makes an analogy to to i'm uh, sorry the holy spirit rather he's talking about the spirit here uh when he's talking about um, well it's like light uh, right, so so thinking of the sun. Well, all the people on Earth, we can experience the sun, uh, S-U-N, the light, uh, uh, at the same time. Mm -hmm. But it seems personable uh, to each of us, mm -hmm. as if we're all right. all experiencing yeah. ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. our indiv individuality is maintained, but we're still participating in mm -hmm. this grace of the Spirit yeah. uh, at the same time. Uh, Hillary of, of Portier, so so another church father from the Latin side, he he knew Greek as well. But um, there he likens um, the spirit uh, to, well, we have different faculties, right? So, so we have our, our eyes to see, our ears to hear the sound vibrations and so far we pick them up, uh, or our noses can, can smell. But so they work on their own, but are, they're not fulfilled unless they have an object. So in other words, unless there's something to smell, right? Or unless there's some sound vibration, then my ear's not actually working as it's designed to, uh, or if there's not something to see, then my eyes aren't working the way that their purpose is. So too in our own lives, without this uh, grace of the Spirit in us, we're not fully alive as, as, as we um, are designed to be. So what I'm getting at here then is the Trinity gives us a sense of not just who God is, but who we are mm -hmm. and who we're meant to be yeah. right in this life. 
Uh, and so it's, it's a beautiful uh, to, 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 to reflect on. Uh, what, a, a few things uh, that sometimes students get uh, tripped up on, let me perhaps mention this quickly, but sure, sure. things not to say yes, when we're talking sure, about the Trinity. Sure, yeah. So one is tritheism. And what's tritheism? Well, three gods. Three gods. So, so there are three lowercase g gods, uh, totally separate in their own kind of domains. Uh, and so we don't want to say that, that there are three um, utterly different lowercase g gods, because, well, you can't really have uh, three different gods, right? And, and on a deeper level, it would just be three guys who love each other, but are fundamentally different from each other. Right. Right, and that's not what the reality is. <laughs> It'd be like saying that the church is a bunch of people who get together on Sunday mornings and hang out. Well, no, it's As actually, a social there's club. a reality, yeah. right, exactly. It's plurality and it's diverse, it's, and it's unity, right? And, yeah. that, and that happens in the church because of what happens in God. But if it was three gods, it would just be like an association that could, that could dissolve at any time. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going my own way. Uh, like Mount Olympus or something. Right, right yes, <laughs> exactly. that's a good, yeah, a good comparison. And so and there's no mutual indwelling then, right? And in the universe would be chaotic. There, there has to be one God. From whom the world uh, came. Yeah, right? yeah St. Athanasius points to that in, um, on the incarnation of the word. Like, uh, mm-hmm. it would be crazy if we had all these other gods operating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the city wouldn't look very orderly, or at least that's the analogy for creation, right? If you had all these different designers. It's also the reason, by the way, why the Father has to be the source of the Trinity, right? Like, okay. I used to wonder this when I was a kid. Why does yeah. it say, you know, God and Jesus and the Spirit, like when they're all God? Well, obviously they are all God and they're all referred to as God. Yep. But the source, I mean, this goes back to that Psalm 36, right? Like the source of life, right? In your light, we see light. Uh, the term, and I'm not trying to make a political point here, but the term, especially in the East, is the monarchia. Okay. Right? But the Father is the source <laughs> of the other two, right? Yeah, right Which right. is why we yeah. call him the Father, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not a metaphor, as I've discussed. You know, our fatherhood is more of a metaphor for it than it is a metaphor. Our human, else. yes, our, our human, human paternity is more yeah. of a. Yeah. So he is really, so it's a single, even the Trinity itself has a single source. Yeah. Um, this is why the the Orthodox think they need to reject the filioque because they, which it means in the creed when we say that the spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, I right. think that that means there's like two separate sources and with their powers combined they create the Holy right, Spirit. But right. that's not the way it's understood, you know, by Augustine or Aquinas. Right? It's um, it, there's only one source. It's the Father, and then it's just that the the spiration of the Spirit happens with the Son's involvement. But, right. even that, but even that is originally from the Father. So having sure. a single ultimate unity is really key. So not tritheism yeah. by any means. Yeah, because well, if you go back to our analogy there of mind, reason, will. You have right? schizophrenia yeah, <laughs> in yeah, the yeah. universe, really. And yeah. there was three gods. You right, know? But, but the mind then has a replica of the image, which, which is the um, reason. But then the reason... Uh, returns reciprocates and this is the spirit right sure, the, the yeah, love yeah. the will uh will so it's it's ascending back okay anyways uh, the other thing we want to avoid is modalism, modalism and yeah. i remember uh going to debate this fascinating figure uh he's he's a convert to christianity uh, from nigeria his, his son actually played for uh the olympia uh uh, wait, Carrie Flames. Uh, Jerome Iginla is his son. Oh, uh, so his dad um, was a oh. uh, yeah, convert to Christianity. Oh, no kidding. The one yeah, with the law firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Canada God bless Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so a uh, great fellow, and he's telling his conversion story. Uh, it basically is walking through Hub Mall in uh, the University of Alberta. Yeah. This is going to get very inside baseball sure. if we don't mention yeah. a lot of Edmonton locales. And Sorry. someone said, have you received Jesus? And, and he, uh, so someone's evangelizing. And uh, this is his first time encountering And he converts, becomes Christian. Fast forward uh, a couple decades, uh, he's having a debate with, with a Muslim interlocutor. Well, I, was, I was listening to it. 
and I was present at the debate. And interesting, he gave this analogy of uh, one person could be a lawyer, a doctor, and a teacher, right? It's just different hats. Uh, so there's only just one God, but God puts on the hat of the Son mm -hmm. during uh, the Incarnation, <laughs> right. yeah, uh, yeah. puts on the hat of the Spirit uh, after Pentecost, and so on. So there's just one God. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's called modalism, yeah. where it's just a monad, so there's just one God, but just in different modalities. Yeah, yeah. Um, and why wouldn't that not work? Why, yeah. why is that? A, which, is, which is also, uh, it, the Pentecostals here don't think that. They're mostly Trinitarian. But if you go back from my dad's term in the Maritimes, that's oh, actually yeah. the mainstream Pentecostal really? view. Oh, yeah. okay. They're called the Oneness Pentecostals or the oh. Jesus only. Okay. Because uh, they only baptize in the name of Jesus. Oh. Because okay. they, they argue. Here's their argument, right? Yeah. Matthew says, baptize in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right, right. Yeah. And also the book of Acts, it always says they were baptized in Jesus' name. You're right. Right. So they say Jesus, the name of yeah. Jesus is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's all just one person. Oh, under, they're under collapsing. Three, they're collapsing. Exactly, right? that, okay. that name is Jesus' name. And yeah. He's the Father and the Son and the okay. Holy Spirit, right? So that's what modalism is. And the problem is it goes back to, well, okay. For both these, the problems are various texts. There's lots of scripture you yeah. can do. Sure. I guess you could say philosophically the problem goes back to what we said before, which is that it's an ultimate narcissism. Right, yeah. Right, or a, um, you could say a solipsism if you want to be really. The solipsism is that nothing exists outside of my own mind. It's just me. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like the Matrix if it if with no machines, <laughs> just, right. or Descartes if he never solves his problem, right? That, yeah. That's essentially what God would be, right? Until he creates, stuck God, in his own mind. Yeah. Basically, God would have had to create us to cure his own loneliness or something, right? Which would make dependent on us, yeah. Or it would mean he's completely independent on his own uh, as an individual, and we know that's not true. Individuals yeah. aren't <laughs> completely independent and fine on their own. No, like we're communal, right. Yes, right? yes. And if we're in the image of God, we should expect God to be communal as well, right? right? Uh, that and, and it just doesn't it, it just doesn't yeah. work scripturally well, right? and father and the son yeah. dialogue and that doesn't and work, also so. to say god is love which we've mentioned already exactly, but yeah, yeah so yeah. on modalism that doesn't work either so, so um here again also we could say in order for say that uh, not only is god love but creation is good to say yeah. creation is good yeah, yeah, yeah. uh or it can't be a monad yeah and, and why is that so so well as we kind of discussed before like if he's the summit of if all goodness and being is contained in God, yeah. in this one self-closed kind of yes. spherical entity, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, like you know, a perfect sphere. Yeah. Anything outside of that is going to be a fall. Right. right? Again, like the Gnostics believe this, right? That right. creation was inherently a fall, and it's easy to kind of look at that and go, "Oh, what a you know, crazy dark belief." But you know, it it, it follows logically if you believe God is monadic, right. right? That anything other than God has to be some kind of diminution. That he's like I said before, if he gets involved with it, he's he's muddying himself, right? Like he's he's degrading himself. Yes, you know? right. Um, so that that can't be love, right? That can't right. that can't be good creation there, right? Creation's always going to be other. And I would add as well, unbridgeable, which I, I think right. you can see in something like Islam, right? Islam, yeah. you know, its final paradisical vision is not union with God because right. you can't really it's, unify with God. It, it's, it, yeah, it's like two spheres bumping against each other. Right. It's right? like an earthly paradise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I'd, I'd even suggest some Christians have a view of heaven where it's like, well, you're hanging out with God in heaven forever, right? Like, well, no, it's it, the beatific vision is an ultimate union with God in which we're not dissolved, as as Dante depicts, right? Right. But how is that union possible? Well, again, because going back to baptism, because we are born again, we're given this new nature, we participate in the divine nature, which is a shared community. Yeah. You know, in in dying and I'm being born again and having the Spirit given to us, I, this is why confirmation is so important too. 
Yeah. Like confirmation, just like the Holy Spirit is kind of the forgotten member of the Trinity. Yeah. Confirmation is kind of the forgotten, forgotten sacrament. sacrament. And I see those as being related, right? Yeah. Um, that, that, that gets us to participate eternally in this. And so in one sense, yeah, we are united with God. There's not any separation between us and God, especially in the Ashkaton. And yet we're still distinct from God. We're not pantheists. Right. We're, we're still different persons. This is only possible if God is Trinity. You can't have... Either there's always going to be an... Un, if, if God is monadic, there's always going to be this kind of... You can't enter into it. Right. Or you can only enter into it by being swallowed up by it and losing yourself. Right. Yes. Not God. Right. God is more generous. God is more loving than that because he is... Ah, there we go. Yes. So th those those... To say creation is good, God is love, even to have creation itself, mm -hmm. uh, we are required. Uh, you needed a Trinitarian. At a footnote to that, I mean, that's one reason why it's, it's so on display in, uh, in in the sacrament of marriage, both in the marital act where two right. are one in, in one, one like flesh, in one flesh, right? Yeah. Um, one reproductive system is working, right? Yeah. And yet, still two persons. And Balzer talks about this in pregnancy, right? right? Where the woman and her baby are in one sense one body and in yet another sense two distinct bodies right, right. these yeah. these two this incredible union of love uh that's a true union it's a oneness uh where there's still distinctness again that's those are yeah. probably where um short of mystical experiences where uh which, those are mystical experiences yes. where where that's on display in creation which is another reason that's such an important sacrament yes uh, I, I, the family really does I mean, we can talk about this too. Augustine uses that analogy too. Uh, Adam, Eve, and Seth, right? Adam, you know, uh, Eve comes out of his side, and then together yeah. their union gives birth to Seth, right? Yeah. And that's also an image of the Trinity, right? There's yeah. that going on also. But, yeah. Because uh, I think sometimes we do speak in uh, pedestrian terms of the miracle of life as a child being born. But I, I, just, I remember vividly a few times <laughs> my wife. <laughs> well, has it happened more than once? Yeah. Are you kidding? Uh, <laughs> say, saying, um, thank you, Lord when finally uh the baby is born and, and and the nurse i remember being stepping back a little bit when she said that one time um because she meant it in a different sense uh, not just oh uh, thank you that this labor is over right right but yeah. as in a mystical experience yeah like it, it, i guess we're using um, we shouldn't necessarily think of mystical as a um, well, mystery is from mystery, mystery right? yeah, it's yes, mystery it's, it's which, the divine that's been revealed which know? is part of living in, in a in creation, right? In a world yeah. that's not just made of molecules. Well, a literally magical world. Yes, yeah. yes, which is, which we do live in. A, a so, participatory world yeah. in a platonic way, right? So, so there was a presence in the room, physically, the baby is now uh, out of the birth canal. Um, but we could feel, uh, I could feel the nurse step back a little bit, and you could feel the presence of God as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. in this act of Absolutely. thank you, Lord. Yeah. Uh, because of, of noticing like the two were one, body uh but now now they're they're separate but at the same time uh you know think of the psalm i, I knit you in your mother's womb mm -hmm. uh right and so before the no i yeah i've known you right and so this is the sense that god has known uh mother and child in depth and so and now it's being revealed right mm -hmm. and so it's i guess a good analogy for our own lives right uh, on, on this on this planet. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, it, it, this isn't just about make sure you don't hold heretical views so that you can right. have. No. Uh, first of all, you know, faith is saving, <laughs> right? Yes. And so you want we want to have a true faith, and that's why we confess the creed right before we're yeah. baptized, right? It's, we believe this is a saving faith, and not because God is some really strict test taker, but it's because right. eternal life is to know God, 
and yes. if you know God, you know, presumably you know it's like it's like your wife. Presumably you know something about her if it's, you're in love with it's her. It's growing in love, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's also because it's and again, it's not just about being theologically correct. It's about like look at what you're missing if you don't get this, right? <laughs> like look yeah. at what God has made available to us in revealing Himself to us through the church. Both both in terms of uh, our our lives here on earth. Uh, who we are as humans, right? Yeah. I mean, there's vestiges of, of, of the Trinity mm-hmm. in, 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 in ourselves, and our, but also in our relationships with others. And then also where we're going, right? Yeah. Into the, to, the, uh, to the next world, right? Design above, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, this pilgrimage which we're on. And then ultimately, to the one whom all things are ordered towards. Uh, we want to have a deeper understanding mm-hmm. of that one, mm-hmm. uh, right? Uh, the one true God. And, 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 and of course, and recognizing that in our own lives, we are also, in some sense, acting out the Trinitarian mystery. Like, this is what Balthazar says. We've got to wrap this up. But, sure. I, but this is, you know, wh- why is it that the Spirit is always guiding Jesus throughout his life? Well, oh, yeah. Balthazar says it's because, you know, we've explained how this sort of works. Because between the Father and the Son, there always is the Holy Spirit. Because they love each other. And that love, yeah. Aquinas actually says the, the proper name of the Holy Spirit is love or gift. Okay. Right? Um, and so between the two, like the Holy Spirit's always between the two of them. Well, that means that when Jesus descends to, when the Son descends to earth and, and is Jesus Christ, the Spirit is always still going to be between him and the Father, right? So that's why the right. Spirit guides him everywhere and he always interacts with the Father yeah. uh, through the Spirit. Now, in baptism, we are born again into, I mean, we, we are configured to Christ. Like that yes. we, put, we put on Christ. Yeah. And now we are guided by the Holy Spirit, which means we're now kind of acting that out. And just like, again, the whole Christ event, he separates from the father just like he proceeds from the father eternally yeah. uh the spirit is between the two of them because that's what happens in eternity he returns to the father and sends him forth and that enacts again that enacts that spiration that happens we are doing that too in our own yeah. life right in, in letting christ live in us right and yeah. and relating to the father through the holy spirit we are also living out the trinity that's why Again, that's, I think that's why the Johannine literature and the Pauline literature weaves back and forth between talking about the Trinity and talking about our life, you know, yeah. as, as Christians who live in love, you know, with God and with each other. Uh, yes. Because, because that is our life, right? So we're talking about the most practical thing in the yeah. world here. And, and maybe it can help uh, invert how we look at God in some ways, uh, if we had a, maybe a more monadic view of God before. Uh, but um, we're talking about the eternal communion with God uh, almost in a horizontal sense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and so what's, what's happening up here? But when this becomes inverted vertically between us and God, uh, it's not this great gulf that's happening, but it's this, uh, we're paralleling the, mm-hmm. the, the relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit that's going back and forth in salvation history, in the economic trinity, in other words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I so. think so. Yeah, there's there's lots for future episodes here. I think because um, there's lots. The Trinity is such a fertile doctrine. Right. I didn't even get to talk about how Aquinas explains that the persons are subsistent relations. And okay. Well, we'll have what to, a shame we'll for that next is. time. But, so, no, sure. You close, man. Let's audience. finish. Let's finish then. With I think a, Gloria seems most appropriate. Oh, word of prayer. Yes. Sure. Let us give uh, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was, was in the, the beginning, beginning, is now, and never shall be, world without end. end. Amen. Amen. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for all of your gifts, especially the great gift of your Son, who came to this world to live for us and die for us, uh, and to send the Holy Spirit into our hearts. We pray, Lord, that you give us your spirit of life, uh, that day in and day out we may grow in love of you and love of neighbor, that we give glory to your name, and we make this prayer through Christ our Lord.
Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.